Hello, you're listening to The Bookworm. My name is Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... Nympha Hayes. Uh, the Bookworm is brought to you by Fav Radio International and Starburst Magazine, and we're all about the genre books. Coming up on the show today, we have... News, we first have of news, all. News, first of all. And then we have The Death House by Sarah Pindra. Ooh, that sounds really good. I really want to read that. And I'm reviewing um, the second book in the school for good and evil. So our theme is teenagers in large buildings. <laughs> that's that's it. Uh huh. It's not randomly. We've not really tried to give it a theme. It's books that we've read that we've enjoyed recently, I believe, <laughs> which is the entire point of the show. And later on, we'll be talking about all sorts of bits and pieces. If you have suggestions and you're listening to us live, of course, get in touch with us via social media and participate. You can tweet us. You can Facebook us. We're available on the radio program. But coming up next, the news. So, uh, top news story on this show, a moron writes book. Uh, rapper Kanye West, who does not book, re- who does not read books, does not respect them, but has written one himself, and he would like you to buy it and read it. The Grammy Award winning, uh, the Grammy Award winner, <laughs> did, uh, uh, known, <laughs> known for his number one albums and outspoken statements, and generally sounding like an idiot. We do not pass judgment, Edward. Uh, no, I, I really do. Um, <laughs> it's the co-author of Thank You and You're Welcome. It's a 52-page long book. Some of the pages are blank. Some of them have just got very few words. Um, some of them, it's, it's things like, life is 5%, whatever happens, and 95% what you react. Wow, it sounds thrilling. Is this a self-help book? What, it's what, it's what, a book what? of philosophy. Okay. Of, of philosophy based on, on Kanye West's life and what he has learned in his 31 years of life. 52 pages. He's learned 52 pages <laughs> worth of stuff. And not all, not all of them are filled with stuff. Surely that, pages. That, that, that's it annoys me that this man gets a book deal and we don't. I know, I know. It'll yeah. sell. and let's I, know, I know, that's the tragic thing. Let, <laughs> let's be honest. If, if one person picks it up and goes, oh, maybe I should read more, then that's good. You know, it's done a good thing. But uh, Kenny West, a man who claims not to have read, has thus produced a book. We should tell you everything you need to know about Kanye West. Moving on. <sighs> Dr. Zeus is coming back in July, apparently. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've uncovered a Dr. Zeus book called What Pet Should I Get? Uh, be it sounds so cute. It does. It, it's the, the sequel to One Fish, Two Fish, uh, that one. Uh, it's got the same characters in it, essentially. Oh. He found a bunch of unpublished manuscripts when they were cleaning out the author's office out, uh, uh, after his death. There's a lot of this going on at the moment, it seems. Um, it's better than the Harper Lee thing. Yeah. We've, we've kind Apparently of there's another two titles as well that, well, have not been named and that are completely unpublished uh, that will be released at a later date. So potentially that's three new Dr. Seuss books. And it's out via Random Penguin on July the 28th. So I wonder what they're going to be allegories for then. Yes. Apparently they were written between 58 and 62. Was that House on American Activities Committee? Is that relevant then? Yeah, they might not be, not all Dr. Zeus (laughs) books are about something. Um, It might just be about getting a pet. Yeah, some of them are just about, you know... Getting a pet. (laughs) Or or winning a bet, like Green Eggs and Ham. Getting a bet, winning a bet with Dr. Zeus. Uh, Williams, Williams and Jeffers win Red House Awards. That's David Williams. 
has won an award for his children's books. Well done to him. A whole load of other people as well. Uh, the Day the Crayons Quit. By, I don't know what that's about, but it sounds cool. By Drew Daywalt and Oliver Jeffers has won uh, the Books for Younger Children category. I like the idea of the Day the, the Crayons Quit. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't know what it's about, but I, I want to. That's it. I want I'm to read it. I'm tired of being smacked around and cut in half and... Drawing all these silly pictures, I'm quitting. In I'm going to be and a drowned, pirate. drowned into things. <laughs> In my head, it's the day the earth stood still, but with crayons. <laughs> World Book Day announces Teen Fest li- lineup. Children's laureate Mallory Blackman, yay! And most of the Young Adult Book Prize shortlisted writers will be taking part in an online event for teenagers organised by World Book Day. Uh, the World Book Day Teen Fest will take place on the fourth and fifth of March between six six and eight pm. Will be interviews. Should we should we give advance notice of our World Book Night thing? Yes, we're doing a thing at the Fab Calf in Manchester for World Book Night. Uh, it's on uh, Shakespeare's birthday, so that's April the twenty third, I believe. Yes, mm. and we will have uh, various authors and various writer types and various other people. I'll be there. Ninth will be there. Producer Al might be there. Various members of the crew will be there. We'll be handing out books. There will be free books, people. And we'll be talking nonsense as per usual. Um, the last year we had lots of readings. This year we hope to have a number of readings as well. Um, we'll see how that goes. Meanwhile, also staying in, staying in Manchester, because we are in fact in Manchester, broadcasting live to you from Manchester. Mm-hmm. Wild outside, it's kind of snowing slash raining. It's raining snow. Uh, and and Chinese New Year's burst alive in the streets. Uh, it's it's uh, we've painted this picture for you before, but this uh, video studio is in fact a tiny TARDIS building, and upstairs is Starburst magazine. Downstairs is many many windows, including the Fab Cafe, and of course just outside are many many people partying. It's a very strange it's image. It's very just a you. big lad just just dressed in Chinese clothes, uh, being like a really jolly. The Chinese big dude Santa. with a beard. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's like I a, saw him. Like it's like he's like a jolly Chinese Santa. But that's not because it's, it's Chinese awesome. New Year. It's just that's just, <laughs> that's just everyday Manchester. Yeah. How is it in your street? In fact, that's really cool. Tell me what you see from your window, <laughs> and then post it on Facebook. You can find us on Radio <coughs> Bookworm uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Tumblr, uh, and obviously you can subscribe as well on yes, iTunes. Uh, don't 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 send us a photo. Just paint a picture of words. And if you can't do that, send us send a photo. Send us a photo. So we were saying about Manchester. Manchester City Council uh, has apparently given more details on how it came to dispose of about two hundred and forty thousand items from the reference collection at Manchester Library, which we have sort of talked on before. We talked have, on before when yeah. we talked about the refurb. That's a lot of books, though. But they they talked about you know the criteria to read out stock from you know plausible stuff that was falling falling apart. Essentially, the friends of Manchester Central Library are angry that so many books have vanished because it's about fifty percent of the reference Pretty stock. Pretty much, yes, and um, it's a reference library. Yeah, and apparently, I mean, it wasn't just books; it was a mixture of sort of uh, pamphlets and leaflets and manuscripts and all sorts of stuff. Uh, apparently, most of it was donated to other institutions, recycled locally. Uh, two philatelic collections were given to the British Library, uh, but still, that's a heck of a lot of stuff. Recycled locally. One of the sad truths about working in the publishing industry is that lots of books do get recycled, mm. and that's 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 a thing. We are in fact living in the biggest time when books are being burned. Oof. 
But that's because of commerce rather than ignorance. We're not printing the books because we want to get rid of the information. The information's out there. It's just that the format... It's just people aren't buying it and publishers print too much. Which is, I mean, going on a completely tangent, uh, I do like how some of the smaller presses nowadays basically do it on, on request. So you want a book, they'll get it printed out printed out for you but it will they will do only the copies that have been bought the books you read are mostly made out of books that you've read pretty much <gasps> that is deep you know they constantly recycle so mm-hmm. you know the, the book that you were reading might in fact one of these days have been uh, harry potter it might have been 50 shades of grey you might actually have kind of recycled reincarnated version of 50 shades of grey i was gonna say all my books are at home so they're fine but i don't know what they were before i wonder if i should look through the through the lines and see if i can see any spirit of of shakespeare or or a jane austen novel just just floating above my my school for good and evil it hadn't occurred to me that you know reincarnation for books is essentially recycling it's like, I'm, I'm currently by E.L. James, but I really want to be by Terry Pratchett. Please, please recycle <laughs> me. Please, please recycle me. Anywho, we should get on and um, do, some, do, do some book reviews. So coming up next, we'll, we'll amaze you. Before we get into a book review, uh, the Missing Monkey podcast is something that myself, Del, and producer Al, on uh, fighting for the honour of the bookworm, um, went on. We have no honour. What are you fighting for? Well, you know, books mostly, and, and showing off, which is what we're about, really. Books and showing off. So, yeah, the bookworm was was invited to uh, Travelling Man in Manchester to take part in The Missing Monkey. And we absolutely adored it. I mean, it was fantastic stuff. If you get a chance, well, there'll be links on our social media. So, Radio Bookworm on Facebook, where Radio Bookworm on Twitter, where Radio Bookworm on Tumblr. Links everywhere to The Missing Monkey. Listen, if you, if you can't get enough of our voices, or you can't get enough of our general silliness, it's myself... It's producer Al, Al, and of course it's Del as well. Del does fantastically well with Harry Potter. Yay! Um, producer Al does absolutely well with Castle. I do very badly on everything else, though. Uh, I'd like to say the ones that I knew, Del got to the buzzer first, because Del was like, trigger buzzer. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> um, I sense a bit of bitterness there, producer Al. <laughs> The thing is that we are a team of six and uh, the missing monkey does three people. So we could have another go at it if we asked. Well, I didn't go last time because originally it was scheduled for a day and then it changed and I couldn't make the new date. But I definitely want to go. I just have no idea what my specialist categories would be. Again, if you want to contact us via the social media, we're a lot about the social media today, and, and say, "Oh, you should definitely talk about these things." Uh, I did Terry Pratchett's The Witches, and I do awfully because what I did there was completely fail to revise the subject. Yeah. Oh. Also, you gave yourself a really big subject. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't even know how many Discord books are on. I must be like getting on for forty. Yeah. It's the fact that also all information in my entire brain fell out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> performance issues. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving very <laughs> swiftly on, and not talking about the missing monkey. Let's talk about something. Um, let's talk about bright, Let's talk about a brighter topic. Let's talk about Sarah Pindra's The Death House. We're big fans of Sarah Pindra on this show. I'm a big fan of Sarah's work. She's at Edgelate as well this year. 
And she is. Because I can't go. <gasps> she, she is. She's doing the raffle, and she's always she's always a delight. Just generally, her writing is fantastic, and also very broad. So she's written the Nowhere Chronicles of Sarah Silverwood, which we've talked about very briefly. Uh, great young adult novels. Um, she wrote the the Language of Dying, which is fantastic. She's wrote the Dogface Gods. I really like the historical horror series Murder and Mayhem. I enjoyed that an awful lot. We talked at length about Poison. We did, yeah. Beauty and Charm, which are three, shall we say, slightly smutty fairy tales. And I say slightly smutty, I mean extremely smutty fairy tales. Again, Sarah Pimper is one of those authors that just writes what she wants to write. And because she's quite talented, you get an entire you know, range of stuff that she does. I wouldn't say this is a young adult novel. I wouldn't say this is any particular genre, to be honest, even though we're a genre book show. It's just a good book. The plot is... Okay, so it's sometime in the future. It's the United Kingdom, and there is a genetic defect knocking around, which will cause you to die. So what they do is, before you get to the age of 18, you get tested, work out if you have this genetic defect, then a black band turns up, some some men pile in, take you away from your family and take you to a death house where you're expected to eventually die. Cheerful. The story concentrates on Toby, who is a normal teenage boy, who, uh, you know, he has his crushes, he has his ambitions, he has his loves. He's basically spent a lot of time lusting after this one girl. Then he takes a blood test, doesn't think anything about it, it's just an excuse to get out of double science. And then, you know, sometime later dragged away by by the government taken to a deserted island to a large building full of other teenagers who are also waiting to die so how does that work how does that work as a novel how how is that fun well it's it, it's absorbing and it's utterly engaging i think the first time i read it i just sat down and i was i was gone for about you know, i was gone for the rest of the day and i, I read it again actually reading it again in the car because i was enjoying it so much um it starts off with this wonderful, they say it makes your eyes bleed, which just sets the tone that essentially this is a book about growing up and not. It's about growing up, it's about fear. Sarah Pimbro uses teenage experience and the, the, the waiting for death as a metaphor for growing up, but she also uses it to talk about life and the rewards of life and the things that are precious. And she kind of examines through the various characters the different approaches to living. So what we get here is we get we get some absolutely glorious moments. There's one particular character who turns to God. He's he's just so, you know, he's so convinced you know, he's going to die. So he, he builds a church just to, to to kind of do something, just to keep himself. It annoys the heck out of everyone else. <laughs> absolutely, but that's the thing that he's doing to keep himself going. And of course, Toby's life changes again when a girl called Clara, who was training to be a ballet dancer turns up in the house and Clara is alive I mean you know she's doomed to die like the rest of them but then aren't we all mm-hmm. Clara is doomed to die she's you know she, she's a defective like the rest of them it's going to get her in the end but because she's had a, a life that's been kind of pushed down and is oppressive and her parents have basically tried to make her a prim and proper lady and we gather that her family were quite powerful so that they pretended that she doesn't exist anymore and they they sent her across to the death house to die. Clara is a girl who is full of life. She is not, however, a manic pixie dream girl. She's a real person with, you know, real desires. Interestingly, the relationship between Toby and Clara 
it develops. Part of the reason it develops is because neither of them take their vitamin pills. Because the vitamin pills are tranquilizers because the nurses don't want the kids to be, you know, too... Too well, busy. they're teenagers, you yeah. know. They don't want the kids. They're, they're, they're not dead yet. They, they don't appear to be showing any particular signs at this stage. So they are teenagers it's, locked up in a big building. It's heavily implied that they're drugged as well. That mm. they, there's drugs in the food. There's vitamin pills, sleeping pills, and that they're carefully medicated to keep them kind of docile. Mm. Thing is, and this is one, one of the wonderful things, we don't actually get much information about the outside world. Things have gone wrong. We don't know what. Um, the world seems quite dark outside, but they, you know, darker than it, than our world. But only by a very slight margin has been, have things got much worse. You know, the, the world seems a little bit darker, but the the details are vague. We don't know what the disease. We don't really know how the disease works because Toby doesn't know how the disease works. Well, considering everyone's kind of taken away, you would expect them. There's fear and ignorance as well. There's fear and ignorance everywhere, so no one's really educated because no one wants to think about it. People people don't think about the fact that they're just assuming the way it is, and that's it. It, it, You know, it's, it's happened to someone that you knew. But it doesn't. Ha- it hasn't happened to you. So it mm. it's that kind of. It's likened to a plane crash. So people don't think about it too much. Mm. So we, we've got this entire thing going on. So yes. So Toby doesn't know what what he's being drugged with. Toby doesn't really know the matrons' names. Doesn't know the nurses' names. And of course, there are stories that are being used to keep control as well. So Toby starts off as quite a quite a petty boy, and the slow but surely falls in love with life which is unfortunate because he doesn't have much mm. it's gorgeous in a single word it's an absolutely gorgeous book I'm going to make the inevitable comparison there is a book out there called The Fault in Our Stars that got turned into a movie it's written by John Green it's nothing like The Fault in Our Stars it's much better than The Fault in Our Stars it beats The Fault in Our Stars hands down Sarah Pinbra is a wildly talented author who has created lots and lots of different worlds and lots and lots of different ways Fault in the Stars is just a rewrite of Paper Towns it's a better book than a lot of the things that are out there right now and if you want if if you're looking for a book about dying teenagers, this is the best book about dying teenagers that's out there and you know, glibness and flippant aside, it really is very good, one of the things I really like about this is because they're uh, British teenagers, they've obviously they've had a British education, and these are kids on an island, all all cramped together in a society. Of course, they've read Lord of the Flies. They're completely aware of, of the plot of Lord of the Flies, and it's full of those little. There's a Narnia reference as well. There's all these little kind of little references scattered through. Concepts of childhood books are scattered through all the way through the story. There's even an owl at one point as well. These these kind of little callbacks. Oh. To a slightly, slightly more innocent stories and slightly more innocent ideas. It was like Ed Lord of Flies, innocent compared to this, yes. Um, in a slightly different way. Mm. Um, it's beautiful, it's emotional, it's heartbreaking. Um, don't read it if you need cheering up, for God's sake. <laughs> Do read it. It is a lot of fun. I expect this, I expect to see this on tubes all the time. You know, you know those books that you know someone just pretending that the world isn't there and they're, they're, they're reading slowly. Yeah, I expect to see the Death House a lot over the next year. So remind us, who's it by? When's it out? Is it out? Can I buy it now? It's out pretty much now. Yay! Uh, it's just been launched. Called the Death House. It's by Sarah Pindra and it's on Golands. And we loved it.
This is Fab Radio International. FabRadioInternational.com Welcome back to The Bookworm on Fab Radio International. And um, if you haven't been following um, before, why? Why are you late? Uh, and, and, and if you have, welcome back. Uh, I'm Nympha Hayes and I'm here with the lovely Ed Fortune. Hello. And Ed's just talked about The Dead ha- the Death's House by Sarah Pimbrook, uh, which sounds incredible. Though we could also talk about The Dead Hat, I suppose. The Dead Hat, yeah. Someone should write that. I'm going to write the dead, the dead Hat. Um, no. <laughs> um, and my review today is the second book in the School for Good and Evils um, series. Um, it's. I talked about it some uh, weeks ago. Um, the first book. the The book is published by Harper Collins, and it's by author Soman Chinani. I hope I said that right. Um, and and I was just saying to Ed, um, I'm really really happy that 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 the power of Wikipedia has told me that this is actually a trilogy of books, because I finished the second book and kind of went what? I went on the website last night. Mm-hmm. It did look like there was a third book. Yes, it's a very well designed website. Isn't oh, it? it's gorgeous! Uh, I absolutely adore the little um, the drawings in the book because um, you got like proper beautiful little drawings um, on the chapters. So, what's it about? If you didn't um, listen to my review, uh, as I said a few few programs ago, a few shows ago, um, the School for Good and Evil book one tells you about Agatha and Sophie. And Agatha and Sophie um, live in this tiny village of Galvardon. Um, and um, now and then, a beast comes and takes some of the children away to the school of good for good and evil. Um, and there, the child will either become a prince or a princess, or they'll become uh, a villain for a story. Uh, if they're lucky. If they're not lucky, they might just turn into a toad or, or a chair. Or a tree in a fairy tale. So that is also a fate that could await you if you're not that important and you don't do very good in your grades at school. So Sophie and Agatha aren't kind of your 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 typical heroines. Sophie is certainly a princess. I mean, you look at her, she's blonde, she's beautiful, she's pink, uh, she loves dancing, she takes extra care of her skin with all this... Um, creams and things and Agatha is the quintessential witch you know she dresses in baggy white um, baggy black dresses scraggly hair black hair always looking a bit sick and drawn and gaunt but actually in the first book Sophie ends up in the school for evil whilst Agatha ends up in the school for good at the end of it after a whole lot of things happen with Sophie trying to get into the school of good surely there's a mistake surely she was never meant to be evil or a villain and then turns into this scary witch um at the end of it the two girls decide that you know we don't want to be here anymore we just want things like they were uh, Agatha loves her best friend and just wants to save her from all these bad things that are happening to her so they they decide to go back home. Um, the second book starts exactly where we left the first book off. So the girls have just arrived to back to Galvedon and 
people obviously are happy to see them they're like heroes nobody's ever returned from the school for good and evil you know you you don't make that choice it's not something that happens and it isn't because their choice means that something's gone really really wrong back at the schools um so during the first few pages you sort of realize that yeah at first everyone was really happy about having the girls back home it was new um, nothing ever happens in the village so it was something out of the ordinary but actually after a bit they just become you know good old Sophie and Agatha um, they're not special anymore and Sophie doesn't like that and Agatha well she left something behind that she really misses so she makes a wish thinking nothing of it and then things start happening and you guessed it the girls end up going back to school and so when they get back to school, things aren't exactly how they left them. In fact, they're really weird because it's not the school for good and evil anymore. It's the school for girls versus the school for boys. Ooh. And yeah, because what happened was when Agatha and Sophie chose each other as their happy endings, a villain and a princess, like obviously leaving behind their prince or her prince i should say everything changed they rewrote history all of the princesses and all of the girl villains went oh so we can be friends we don't have to end up with a boy i don't have to be evil i can be whatever i want i don't need boys and so the schools themselves changed to reflect this so all of the fairy tales were then rewritten where you know Snow White didn't need the prince to wake her up. She just decided that, you know, she wanted to be best friends with, with, with you know, the, the, the evil witch and so forth. So so all of those fairy tales have been rewritten to show that princesses don't need princes to rescue them at all. In fact, princes stink and should be killed. So hang on. So the, the schools are basically awful. And if they're not imposing essentially the patriarchy, uh, so if they're not imposing one social standard, they're imposing another social standard. Exactly. So basically, you know, villains that had never done, you know, preparing and makeup and, you know, preparing to be the perfect princess now find themselves free to do that. So you get all this evil um, girls that were meant to be villains now going, well, I don't have to be now, so I can try makeup and do diets and be skinny and and the, there's there's the princesses that had been trained all their lives to talk to animals and be pretty and prim that have cut like shaved all their hair and don't wear makeup and just wear manly clothes and go around killing animals instead of talking to them so all of this is happening on the other side of the bridge where the school for evil used to be the princes are completely baffled <laughs> because they're like, well, Sounds we're like not that. needed anymore. What, what is our place? So after they go through the buffling first reaction, they get really angry. They're like, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I want my princess back. I want to be useful. Um, and so all of the princes that have been sort of kicked out of their own fairy tales, so, you know, uh, Prince Charming and all of those, they're all, like, squatting outside the School of Evil. Um, and one of the princes, who is very much um, part of Agatha and Sophie's story, has become the new headmaster. 
And so war is brewing between the golf school for girls and the school for boys, and only Agatha and Sophie can put things to right. This sounds marvellous, it really does. It does! I'll tell you read the last chapter, and you're kind of left thinking, I really hope this is not it, because I was enraged. I was like, no, this isn't like the right ending. This can't end like this. So this is why I was really grateful to Wikipedia when I read it and went, it's a trilogy. Yes, there is one more book to put things to right. It's going to be awesome. So yes, the book is really good. It's just as good as the first one, but it does end like it will kind of shock you and you're like no this this is not right so knowing that there is a third book because you know if you're starting the series now and think oh this sounds really cool i'm gonna pick up the first book when you arrive at the end of a world without princess don't worry there is more to come (laughs) don't don't do what i did and sort of like curse the the author's name for ruining a perfectly good book it's not ruined there is still hope um I'm, you see, the evil part of me says, I, I think you should expect disappointment. Oh, Well, I have to say, I was a little disappointed because I thought the premise was brilliant and it was a great way to convey a message, which, you know, nowadays is really a really important message. And when that message wasn't conveyed, in fact, was kind of like backpedaled. I was like, what have you done? No, no. But, but actually, I have faith. The book has been really good throughout. The series has been really good throughout. And both books are really good. Um, and totally read the first one first. Otherwise, you'll miss the story. And you'll miss why characters are driven a certain way. Um, so pick up The School for Good and Evil first. And then pick up The School for Good and Evil, A World Without Princes. It's very much the second part of a trilogy then. Absolutely. Than absolutely. Uh, I don't think... I mean, the first book stands on its own. But once you go into the second, you realise you've got to read the last one to get the full story uh, and to understand. So don't go into the second book because you won't get it. Uh, but I definitely recommend the series. I'm much, much happier now that I know that there is still a third book to come out. And apparently rights for the movie have been picked up by Universal. And it's sort of like... it, it It's apparently going to be made out as a trilogy of movies uh, which if it's done well it's going to be amazing so I'm really looking forward to that it sounds like the sort of thing you would get DreamWorks or Pixar to do Mm. as a you know as a kind of because it's a fairy tale and because you get to do that sort of craziness oh oh, apparently the last book is going to be called The Last Ever After ooh it looks amazing. The covers are beautiful. All of the drawings inside are absolutely gorgeous. So who's it by? Where's <laughs> it from? How can I get it? You can get it anywhere. Uh, it's by Summon Chinani, um, and it's on HarperCollins. Uh, first and second book are out. The third book, I'm guessing, is probably going to come out this year if it hasn't already. Produce In 149 out. days, apparently. Oh. I, I, my, my mind can't work out. That's like five months? Yeah. Yeah. So towards the towards the summertime, perfect. So you know, end of summer, pick August. it up, uh, get all of the trilogy. It's going to be amazing. I, I have faith in the author. Um, if you're listening to me, keep going. It's absolutely brilliant. Highly recommend it. And um, coming up after after this, we're going to be talking about all sorts of things related to books, as the rest of the show is as well.
across the world, 24 hours a day. This is Fab Radio International. So we're talking about uh, books. Books. (laughs) Is that the entire theme of the show? Uh, You might have worked out that we don't really script these things. We do have a rough idea what we're doing on the show. Uh, And producer Al does keep us in line so we don't overrun and talk too much about how outraged we are by the ending of certain novels. (laughs) Um, I actually quite like... It's hard to say, but I quite liked the way The Death House ended. Liked is perhaps the wrong word. But is it a one a standalone? It's a standalone. Okay. Um, I can't imagine there being a sequel. Uh, I really can't. It's not that sort of book. It doesn't. Mm. Uh, I, it, Nothing wrong with it. I quite like standalone books that are you know completed stories. We, in it it does. It does seem like everything's been a trilogy or, or whatever recently. Or it got, it's got to be more than one book, or you're not doing it right, kind of thing. It yeah. annoys me sometimes as well. Mm. Um, we KV Johansson's uh, book. She did a, a duology called The Leopard and the Lady. And to be honest, The Leopard was fine. The Lady was fine. They would have worked better as two entirely separate fantasy novels that weren't connected to each other. But obviously, to sell each other, they they kind of it had been turned into a duology. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the, I didn't like the, the pairing. I liked the two books individually. I just didn't like the the pairing. Mm. It, what it meant was that one didn't really begin properly and one didn't really end properly, and it just felt a bit rubbish. I'd, I appreciate series and I appreciate long running books. I, I I think we've I think we've all been spoiled by say Terry Pratchett, who just creates all these standalone books that kind of bli- work, in the work same into world. each other. Yeah. But Marvel Comics have been doing that since the sixties. Marvel Comics is this thing where you know it's one world. And then you tell stories within that world, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the, the thing is, you know, Pratchett's sort of using the disc world, but but there's different bits within it, isn't there? So there's Angmore Pork, and there's the Stovall, or have you can actually pronounce it, and there's Quadruple X, and you know, so he's telling different stories. He's just saying, oh, it's all within the same world. Chaps, Abaddon Books, who we also adore. Uh, Abaddon books do the same thing. They create their own little franchises. Now, the story behind Abaddon is kind of fascinating because they started off to uh, the Black Library and then they got bought by Rebellion. Now, Black Library, obviously, are all about Warhammer franchises. Rebellion, of course, or 2000 AD, so they have their own set of worlds as well. And what they did is they went, right, okay, we've got the Judge Dredd worlds and you've got your, your Strontium Dog worlds and that's one world. Why don't you do other franchises, chaps? And they were like, that's a brilliant idea. So there's a whole bunch of books called The After Black Chronicles. Mankind's been cut down to the quick. About 90% of the population has died um, by this disease. Uh, it's ravaged everything. And they've got multiple authors to write in the same world. So the Cyspurious... Well, that's clever. I like that as an idea. So the Cyspurious stuff. Cyspurious started it. And Cyspurious has a very unique style and a unique worldview. Mm. We like size stuff. But I think I probably would have just given up on an entire series written by Sai because he's quite dark. And then he got they got other authors to write the after blight stuff, and it, it is massively improved by the multiple authors. Mm-hmm. Um, they're celebrating their they're doing thing called a bad X because they're about <laughs> to ce- celebrate their tenth anniversary. Uh, incidentally, they've recently had a submissions window which closed. Good mm-hmm. luck if you're in on that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I like those shared worlds. I like franchise worlds, mm-hmm. and I think it's very easy to be sniffy about them. I, my um, 
my English lecturer used to be really sniffy about people who read D&D and this sort of thing. You know, D&D books. How dare you read Forgotten Realms books? Oh, why, why? We're back to the argument, aren't we, of my literature's better than your literature. Yeah. We really are. Which is, it's, it's, it's school playground bullying notched up a, a rank. I, I quite like the I quite like the ability to be able to dive into a world that I already know the rules about, mm. and with stuff like the Death House, where it's one set world, she establishes the world, but a lot of that a lot of that storytelling relies on your ignorance. You, you don't know, you don't need to know much about the world because then you can be scared, and she wants you to be scared all the way through, because it's a book about the fear of death. Whereas with franchise stuff it's it's much much different see i i really really like the idea of having this massive world and people just you know telling stories and showing you different sides of it i think it's great i, I love the way that you were saying about the school for good and evil that it just reboots itself so you mm. keep the same characters but you tell a different story oh absolutely and 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 the difference is massive i mean i was reading it thinking okay it's the same kind of setup and yet the my the emotions that I got out of the book, even though it's a very similar story to the first one, because you know it's these girls with all of the baggage from the first book, but sent again into this place, and all of a sudden, it's the same rooms and the same teachers, but it's just not the same story, and it's really well done. And I think because I was so enraged at the end, because it wasn't the ending that I expected, and I didn't know there was a third book coming out, it, that. that that's a good thing, you know, causing emotion in your reader. It's a great thing, and if you're doing it, then you're doing it right. The disadvantage of franchise worlds, of course, is that the quality can be quite kind of variable. So if you have uh, DC Comics is a, is a great example. DC Comics, um, they keep rebooting their world, um, but they don't do anything new with the characters. So, you know, we've had about, what, two dozen Batman origin stories by now? Yeah, but um, he always ends up the same broody... Yeah, and it's not like Dark. do something new and different. Whereas Marvel are rebooting. We've had about world. we've had a good number of Batman origin movies. Yeah. I'm frankly bored of them. And <laughs> you know, everybody keeps on telling me, "Oh, there's this 50, 60 year history of comic book stories." It's like, well, can I have something more than the other three on the big screen, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the thing Marvel have did, are doing uh, like for, for the first time ever. They're doing a proper hard reboot. Well, it's not going to be that hard. Hard reboot. They're going to reboot stuff and kind of chop and change the ideas that they like, which is something that Marvel have always done. They're just going to make it official now. But it's like, like, yeah, I was really shocked to to know. Well, shocked is a big word, but yeah, that that you know there are there is a timeline where Magneto is actually really good. You yeah. Know, oh, there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole bundle of them. But yeah, the, the thing with that, of course, is that because you've got so many people working on that world and we're telling different stories in that world at some point you have to sit there and go well that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish that's rubbish, that's rubbish, we get rid of all those ideas, mm-hmm. we'll reboot it with these fresh ideas and then we'll keep going with the stuff that we like which is essentially, when you think about it fan fiction, it's, it's, the unofficial stamp I was just going to say that, I was just going to say it's like okay I've, I've, I've read all of that and actually if that was me doing that I would have done this, this and that, oh let's do that that's fan fiction Yeah. Um, there's that whole Sherlock yeah, Holmes there's that everything, whole is Every, everything is fandom. Everything is fandom. Everything is fandom. Everything is cool when you're part of it. Anyway. Fan fake. <laughs> talking of fan fake, we've got that Sherlock Holmes thing. There is a Sherlock Holmes thing, yes. Uh, right, okay. We're, getting, we're kind of getting off the, the, the topic. but uh, There is no that, topic, Edward. <laughs> there isn't really. But, um, there's some news reports saying they've found a new Sherlock Holmes short story. They haven't. 
they haven't. It's fanfic that was written at the time by someone else as part of a charity fundraiser thing. How it's, amazing is that? That, that, that I, yeah, that is amazing. Just conceptually, that that is it's validation. Okay, at that time, it was good. It was cool. Get it, someone to write a story in that world. And it's, it's, you know, other people will pay for it because it's going to be fun. The, if, if memory serves, I have to double check this, but if memory serves, there's even a fake interview with Sherlock Holmes that someone's written. <laughs> as, which, again, is, is a thing that you see in popular fanfic these days as well. But it's just a thing that happens when you give the worlds to people to play with and people decide to play with their sandpit. Again, if you disagree with anything you say, we're on Twitter at Radio Bookworm. We're also on all sorts of various bits of social media. You can argue with us. You're wrong, but you can <laughs> argue with us. I, I like it. I like fanfic. I like big worlds. I like franchised worlds where you can write whatever you want. And yes, as you said, you you, you can then stumble on things that aren't very good quality because it's going to be variable. But... You know, you stumble upon mediocre books anyways when you go into your local independent bookstore or your big chains or even when you're browsing through, you know, your online retailer. You're going to end up buying something that you don't enjoy. You shouldn't feel that there is there is no one true way. There is no one true way to enjoy novels and there's no one true way to write novels. You, you meet authors like Pindra and Gaiman and both of them say pretty much the same thing which is they have this remarkable privilege where they're allowed to write the sort of things that they want to write and be involved in the sort of projects that they want to be involved with and that produces a far superior work Mm -hmm. sometimes you get an author that has had to write the same thing again and again and again because that's what sells and the publisher wants to to play safe the agent wants to play safe Mm -hmm. and the author wants to play safe because that pays the mortgage but ultimately you just end up with the same trilogy again and again and again I will not mention any Belgariads but let's let's be honest that can be really dull if you're a reader and you enjoy books get out of your comfort zone read something different uh, I was, I'm going to actually say with The Death House with Sarah Pendra if it doesn't sound like your sort of thing read it <laughs> uh, do it because it, it's good it's a really good book and it'll get you out of your comfort zone it really will get you out of your comfort zone and you will enjoy it you'll, you'll find it a bit sad you'll find it very sad but it'll take you take you out of where you are if you're the sort of person that says oh I only read military sci-fi for the love of goodness what? Why? read something different there's, enough, there's some fantastic military sci-fi out I'm there I'm sure there is um, <laughs> but, but read something else sometimes but read something else sometimes and in the same way that you know if you only eat potatoes for a diet you're going to end up you're going going to end up with slight health problems. If you <laughs> if you read, you know, only one style of books, that's fine because it's something that you're doing in your spare time. But you'll find your you find yourself much, much healthier if you read wildly. If you eat wildly, you exercise well wi- exercise wildly and widely. Um, he says being quite large himself. <laughs> I should exercise more. I should, I, I, what I need to do is I need to have somewhere I can read and exercise at the same time. I'm half tempted. To, sorry, I'm completely going on a tangent here because oh, you know that's kind what of we do. Point of the show, <laughs> it's yeah. a theme. Um, I'm half tempted to take the, the the school for good and evil to to the missing monkey. Ooh, because it's two books, so there's there's enough in there. We'll have to ask John very nicely if you uh, if you'll let us on his show again. It's a very good show though. You should if you should 
seek out the missing monkey. But again, we've got links. We've all put links to it on our things. Mm, yes, just, just check our Facebook and Twitter feeds, and you should get oh, info and links. Sorry about on. this, listener. We're pimping ourselves out <laughs> tremendously this time. We haven't now. though, because we haven't mentioned the Hugos. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> Build the Galactic Cube. It's a thing. It's a thing. Build the Galactic Cube might be up for um, a Hugo nom. I hope it is because it's not the not the novel, the movie that they made out of the novel. And if you're sitting there going, they made a movie out of Build the Galactic Cube. Oh yes, they did. Alex Cox, the Alex Cox, Sid and Nancy, Alex Cox, Repo Man, Alex Cox made a version of Build the Galactic Cube as an indie movie. It's Glorious! Hmm. It's made on a budget of about two pounds fifty. You know, it, it literally it begs for change because yeah. it was crowdfunded. It's so cheap, but when you think about it, Bill Galactic Hero was a parody of Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you watch the Starship, well, which was already a parody, parody. itself. Uh, you, well, you, no, the book Bill Galactic Hero was a parody of Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Starship Troopers, the movie, is a parody of the Starship Troopers book, mm-hmm. very much so. Um, what Alex Cox has, has done is gone right. Well, I can't match Starship Troopers. I'll do the opposite. Um, parodying Bill Galactic Hero, I'll stick as close to the source material as possible. Rather than being high budget, I'll be low budget. <laughs> and it's like this perfect reflection of that movie. You should watch them back to back. Starship Troopers, Bill Galactic Hero. It's available online for free right now. <laughs> FabRadioInternational.com Well, we're being kicked out the door, so Yay. it's goodbye for me, Ed Fortune. In goodbye for me, Nympha Hayes. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and all the rest of it as Radio Bookworm. Bye. Bye-bye. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes. Produced by A.L. Johnson.